Greetings, Word Horde. We're here with an exciting option for you, a version of our podcast without any ads. That's right. No advertising interruptions, just the content you love, ready to go in your favorite podcast apps like Spotify and Apple Podcasts. It's another way to support the show, ensuring that we keep bringing you the word stories and language explorations that you love. Try it at waywardradio.org slash adfree. And it's affordable. For just a small subscription fee, you can enjoy Away With Words uninterrupted, except by us. Plus, it makes a great gift. Know somebody who loves language as much as you do? Give them the gift of words. Easy to sign up, easy to enjoy. It's the same Away With Words, just streamlined for your listening pleasure. Go to waywardradio.org slash adfree. Support us, support the show, and enjoy an ad-free listening experience. waywardradio.org slash adfree. Thank you. You're listening to Away With Words, the show about language and how we use it. I'm Grant Barrett. And I'm Martha Barnett. On an earlier show, we were talking about words that we mispronounced for years. And, Grant, you confessed to mispronouncing hyperbole. Mm, Hyperbole. Mm -hmm. And I admitted that for a long time, I thought the woman's name was Penelope. Oh, instead of Penelope. Exactly. Well, we heard from lots and lots of listeners about this. Mike from San Francisco wrote about the word misled. He writes, my friend had both seen the word in print and heard the word pronounced, but never at the same time. So when reading to herself, she pronounced it misled. 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 I've heard a lot of people pronouncing it as mizzled. And uh, his friend found out only when she was in a classroom where they were all reading from the same book and somebody was reading it aloud. And then she, you know, had had this moment. moment. Yes. And I love this one. Ann Peter wrote from Wisconsin to say that someone she knows kept talking about a do-wagger. Oh, <laughs> instead she, of a dowager. Yeah, she was reading a lot of historical <laughs> fiction, and she picked up this this term, do-wagger oh, duchess. Oh, no, the, the do-wagger duchess. That's a whole different profession. <laughs> right. And then we got a call from Harley who said that he should have known better because he has a bachelor's degree in linguistics. He's an attorney and has been one for decades. But it wasn't until he was in his 50s reading something aloud to his wife that uh, he pronounced the word epitome. Uh, and his wife, bless her heart, said, oh, honey, I like how you pronounced epitome as epitome. And he said, what do you mean? It's it's epitome, right? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, what a great way to connect. That is a really great <laughs> connect way to, and to make a loving correction. Yeah. <laughs> what a, how cute of you to pronounce it that Well, maybe that's condescending. <laughs> I mean, he was actually enthused about learning a new word. And yeah. I think that's the great thing about being able to learn a new pronunciation later in life. When you pick up words from your reading and not from your hearing, then you're likely to make mistakes. This Mm -hmm. is a place to talk about that and a lot of other things related to language and linguistics and speaking and writing well. 877-929-9673. Email words at waywardradio.org. Hello, you have a way with words. Hello, this is Kahani Skydance. I'm calling from Arcata, California. Uh Aha. Far northern California, about an hour from the Oregon border. Yeah, KHSU. KHSU, right. Welcome to the show. How can we help? Almost 40 years ago, I got a divorce, and I did not want to call my husband my ex-husband, because I always thought that sounded mean and choppy and didn't dislike the man. So Mm -hmm. I made up the word husband, W-A-S-B-A-N-D. And um, that's what I always use for 
an ex-husband, although he's my only one. <laughs> <laughs> and what did he think of that? I don't know if he's even aware of it, to tell you the truth. Oh, no kidding. Mm-hmm. Wasband, W-A-S-B-A-N-D. Uh-huh. Husband. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that, that has a better sound to you than ex-husband or just ex? It does, yes. Oh, okay. well, <laughs> Not the, to you, though, huh? The ex sounds like striking someone from the list, right? Yes, it does. Yeah, it almost mm. sounds like axe. You know? Oh, yeah. Yes, exactly. <laughs> That's why I, I say that, okay. mean and choppy. Yeah, yeah. choppy. There okay, we go. Okay, very good. Yeah. This word has been Wasn't coined it? numerous times over the, at least the last 20 years. I, I can find uses of was been going back to 1993, as a matter of fact. Well, and this was 19... 19- uh, 75. Oh, there we go. So that's the, earliest, <laughs> that's the earliest citation that I know of then. But it's been coined and recoined because it's kind of a lot of people have the same problem that you have with, ex, with ex-husband. It just There's something wrong with it. Even It might just be long or awkward to say. Mm-hmm. Interestingly, in the 1993 use of the word that I found, the fellow by the name of Ronan Conroy, I believe his name is, or Conroy, wrote a word for the ex-wife as well. I was just going to ask. What yeah, he ex-wife? proposed wow. Or actually, he said wow. he <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I tried to come up with something for that, just, you know, on principle. But He's, he wrote that he and his wife used that. And he, he says that, that wasbend and wow are the past tense of the, ver- of the nouns, as if nouns can actually <laughs> have a past tense. So. <laughs> I love it. Huh. But wealth to me, I don't, just not quite as successful as well, husband. I don't know what you yeah. would use, though. Wealth but... sounds uh, like a, uh, I don't know, reminds me of wound or, or, or I don't know. Just <laughs> yeah, so it, it, it's not as uh, kind, I think. As, it no, sounds like a dog. <laughs> yeah. <Ralph? laughs> yes. I do well, like that's the way that... some people think about their exes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he didn't explain, he didn't explain why he chose W-O-U-F-E. I don't. I don't know, just an alternate hmm. vowel sound, maybe. So if you're married to somebody currently, does that make him your isband? <laughs> Good question. I'm not married to someone currently, so I haven't married to someone Okay. Okay, or some people call <laughs> no, their partner not. their future ex, right? Uh, <laughs> oh, my goodness. I would never go into anything with that in mind. That's very cynical. <laughs> That's wise. <laughs> well, Kahana, thank you very much for your contribution. Thank you for sharing this word with us. Well, it was a pleasure. I enjoy your show so very much. Thank you very much. We appreciate your calling. Take care now. You too. Bye-bye. 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 Well, share your coinages with us. Did you have a lexical gap that you needed to fill and you made a word for it? We'd love to hear about it. 877-929-9673 or email us, words at waywardradio.org. <laughs> Here's something to say the next time that you're really hungry and somebody says, are you hungry? Yeah. You can say, yeah, I'm hungrier than a woodpecker with a headache. (laughs) (laughs) Right. That's really hungry, right? Yeah, because they get their food by digging in the... I'm going to explain this joke until it dies. (laughs) 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 They look for grubs under bark and they need to use their head to get it. They're banging their head against the tree. And if they they have a headache, they're not going to feel inclined to go get the grubs. Absolutely not. They're going to fast that woodpeckers. I know. Hungrier than a woodpecker with a headache. Well, we're hungry to hear from you, 877-929-9673, or send us email. That address is words at waywardradio.org. Hello, you have a way with words. Hi, this is Franklin Reisner calling from Indianapolis. Hello. Welcome to the show, Franklin. How can we help? Well, uh, I had a question about the use of a term. Uh, the word is inertia, 
and I, my question has to do with its common language use. Uh, this has come up several times. Uh, my wife uh, of 20 years and I uh, are often using this term, and we use it, I guess, in opposite ways or what seems like opposite meanings. So I'd like to get, uh, uh, I'd like to find out who's using it right, or are we both using it right? Uh oh. <laughs> yeah. Okay, let's hear it. So I have a little bit of science background uh, from years okay. ago, and my understanding of inertia is that uh, as a physics uh, term, a body in motion uh, tends to stay in motion, a body at rest tends to stay at rest. So the example in common language uh, would be, say my son has uh, a chore to do, has a, a task we've asked and it hasn't gotten done, and I might say, you know, he just needs to get some inertia to get, you know, in the, in the, in, in the same ways we might say once begun is half done, just get started mm-hmm. and, uh, and things, and, and he'll get that task done. My wife would say he needs to overcome inertia and, and get started and go uh, do his chore. Okay. Mm-hmm. So they seem to be uh, saying opposite things. Mm-hmm. Quite a puzzle here. Anything on the line? Yeah. We always ask this just in case. Is dinner or chores or a date night on the line here? Any any kind of money changing hands? <laughs> well, if it's, a victor? I guess bragging rights. Bragging, bragging rights. rights. Okay. And what mm. does the son get out of this? <laughs> I think he's going to get satisfaction, in particular if he finds out that one of us hasn't been using it, hasn't been using the word correctly. You okay. specified at the top of the call that you were talking about the common definition, and it's so important because in English we often take scientific terms that are very specific and we generalize them and maybe even shift the meaning so far away that the scientists wouldn't recognize it. And it's a sure. little bit what's happened here. You were right about the scientific definition, right, Martha? It's an object. It's a, the tendency of things to continue what they were doing unless they're acted upon by an outside force, right? I think that's fair. Yeah, so, so in science, if something's moving, it will probably continue moving unless something else acts upon it. If it's sitting mm-hmm. still, it will probably continue to sit still unless something else on the outside mm-hmm. acts on it, right here. Mm-hmm. But in the common meaning, and this is where all the dictionaries tend to agree, only one part of that definition is stuck around, and that's... Um, it's more or less makes inertia a synonym with inertness, which is you're ah. just sitting there like a lump. Your inertia is the tendency to stay there doing nothing um, and not the active sense of it, which is once you get going, you're going to continue to go. Although I like that, and I think that's perfectly fine. It's just I can understand the point of confusion in your house. Yes. So, so honestly, I suspected that was the case. So what you're telling me is uh, my use is not the proper common use uh, and that my wife's use is more the common use of the of the word inertia. Yeah, hers is the more common. I'm sure vastly there are people, more common. Vastly more common. Yeah, I'm sure yeah. there are people who use it as you do. But in general, mm-hmm. when we're not talking in a scientific way, we mean the tendency to do nothing. To, oh boy. Okay. To, to well, I'll own up to that. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's sort of like quantum leap, right? Because exactly. a quantum That's... leap is a teeny, teeny, tiny little thing, right? right. I mean, mm-hmm. it's like an electron mm-hmm. or something, right? But but when we talk about a quantum leap, we're talking about something enormous. Right. That's usually. a great yeah. example of a scientific usage, which is really far from the source yeah. and probably never yeah, going back. See. They will never reconcile. Yeah, so you can use it that way with your scientist buddies, I guess. But <laughs> we could probably compile with the rest a, whole, of us. a whole language of common usage that would just like ruffle the feathers of scientists everywhere, right? <laughs> I suppose so. <laughs> Franklin, thank you so much for calling. Okay, I enjoyed it. Thank you very much. Thank you. Bye-bye. Mm-hmm. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. 
I'm surprised to see here. I did not realize that inert and inertia have as one of their roots ARS from the Latin. Yes. Meaning art or yes. skill. So yes. it means a lack of skill or exactly. lack of art. Exactly. Very That's interesting. It. I didn't yeah. know that was there. I didn't yeah. recognize the the root and the mm. ERT. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I've always said overcome inertia. Overcome inertia, yeah. right. Which is the tendency to sit there and do nothing, right? Yes. Which is. It's kind of the human condition, isn't it? (laughs) (laughs) Mine before coffee, for sure. (laughs) Before coffee. 877-929-9673 is the number to call if you want to talk about language or send us your questions and stories about language to words at waywordradio.org. another great casualism for wondering if it's raining outside. Okay. It's, let's call in the dogs and see if they're wet. Let's call in the dogs and see if they're wet. Nice. <laughs> right. You're in your easy chair. You got yeah. a cold drink or a coffee and yeah. just not inclined to get up and yeah. take your feet off How's, the ottoman. <laughs> <laughs> How's the weather? Let's call in the dogs and see if they're wet. 877-929-9673. More sling and slang in just a minute. Stay with us. something special for those of you who love our show but could do without the ads. That's right. Imagine away with words, the same engaging conversations, the same deep dives into language without advertising interruptions. We're talking about our ad-free podcast feed. It's sleek, clean, and it's just for our supporters. It's at waywardradio.org slash ad-free. It's inexpensive, easy to sign up for, and works with all major podcast apps like Apple Podcasts and Spotify. It's an affordable way to support the show and get a seamless listening experience. And if you're feeling generous, why not give a subscription to another Away With Words fan? That's waywardradio.org slash adfree. Sign up today. Your support means the world. waywardradio.org slash ad-free. Thank you. You're listening to Away With Words, the show about language and how we use it. I'm Martha Barnett. And I'm Grant Barrett. And look who it is, knocking his head on the doorway once again. It's John Chinesky, our quiz guy. I have yet to figure out how to use the door properly. What do you got there, quiz (laughs) This here in my hands, this is a quiz. I decided we should play the license plate game again. What do you say? Okay. It's it's about time to hit the road. Of course, there are lots of car games and license plate games, but our favorite is when I give you three letters from a license plate and you give me any word that contains those three letters— in order, not necessarily consecutively. Oh, boy. Right. Now, I, I'd like to give you style points for a shorter word. Okay, you, good. And when you play in a car, you probably play longest word wins. But then, you know, you can just add suffixes, and where's the fun in that? So, right. Here comes the first car. Okay. R-M-H. 
R-M-H. Yeah. How about wormhole? Wormhole's great. Wormhole is good. Ooh, nice. Uh, long, eight, though. Eight-letter word. That's okay. I had a couple of sevens, and I Arm- had one s- six-letter word. Yeah, what? How about arm and hammer? <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'll give you extra style points for brand names. Why not? Um, and, hmm. Okay, we'll give we'll give you wormhole, and uh, I'll give you the ones I had. I had uh, well, armhole actually is seven. Triumph, Ooh, nice. triumph. Oh, 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 oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Rematch. My six letter words: warmth. Ooh, nice. Oh, warmth. Very yeah. good. Okay, so so far I am winning. Right. Uh, says the I man who had rigged. ages to yes. put the right. quiz together <laughs> and, and has the answers in front of him. Here comes the next car. Let's see. I can see. I think it's a, it's a Tennessee license plate. Okay. Z-I-H. Zilch. Z- Oop, zilch. Grants right in with a oh, zilch. A nice yeah, five zenith little word. Is, is and Zenith's work. a good six. Very good. I had, azimuth. Uh, azimuth, my seven. Yes, very good. I had uh, Zither. Also oh, worked. very nice, good. Very good. Yeah. Yeah. I also found Zilla. As in Godzilla or Bridezilla? What? As in an administrative district in India. <laughs> oh, never heard of it. Okay. I did How throw do you a couple spell of, that? of Z-I-L-L-A or Z-I-L-L-A-H. guess I would never oh. pass my Indian yeah. civil service exam and not know that word. <laughs> yeah. I guess you've guessed by now I threw a couple of, uh, of uh, obscure ones. Oh, yeah, but those these. are just, fun. Just I like for fun. Yeah, that's why. Yeah. That's why. Okay. Okay. Here comes another one. Y-P-H. Y. Oh. Y. P. Sylph. Sylph. Very good five-letter word. Yeah. I don't think I have anything and, shorter than that. And so that's lymph. A good oh, and lymph. lymph. Yeah, yeah. Very good. Lymph. Nymph. Oh, yeah. Yeal Patrick Harris. Glyph. 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 Cypher. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, let's look at this car coming up. He's got his license plate. PVC. Oh, look at that. Look, like the pipe. PVC. Prevaricate, but that's too long. Prevacation. Nice long word, though. Yeah. Again, nice little insight as to Martha's Martha's psyche. <laughs> what? She's prevaricating about her prevacation. That's right. <laughs> um, Province. Province oh, is that's good. good. I had that. That's my eight. I have a six and a seven, though. Yeah, a six and a seven. Yeah. Um, Okay, let's throw it out to the listeners. Listeners, what do you got? Yeah, that's a good one. Yes, pelvic is <laughs> pelvic's oh, good pelvic. for a six. Yes. Oh, and okay. What's what's that you say? Privacy? Yes, privacy is oh, a good seven. Yes. Yeah. Oh, very good. Very nice. Nice. Okay, let's let's pull this car over and uh, stop and get some ice cream because I'm I'm done. <laughs> All right, John. Thank you. That was quite a workout. I don't think yeah. I did that well on this one. But, no, but you guys did. No, you guys did great, and it was a lot of fun. Thank you. My pleasure. Thanks, I'll John. We'll see you, we'll see you next, next week. Time. Take care now. Bye bye. Bye bye. Language. It's a strange beast. Call us. We'll talk about it. 877-929-9673 or email us words at waywardradio.org. And you can find us on Facebook and Twitter and SoundCloud and iTunes and Swell and a ton of other audio apps, including Stitcher and I don't even know all. Hello. You have a way with words. Hey, Martha and Grant. This is Nathan, originally raised in uh, San Diego, but now in Portland going to grad school. Portland, Oregon? Portland, Oregon. That's right. Excellent. Hi, Nathan. Welcome to the show. Thanks. I'm so excited to be on. Uh, a while back, some friends of mine, some classmates, and I were having dinner, and we all had our smartphones out, and we all got an email at the same time that led to a discussion about email pet peeves, and I was curious to get your opinion on some of them. Sure. So one of the professors at our school had sent out an email, and unknowing to him, but pretty obvious to us, he had accidentally sent a reply all to everyone on campus. Uh-oh. And it was a bit of an email gap, not too big of a deal. He didn't say anything 
horrible. But um, the email that we got while we were sitting there having dinner was a, a, an apology from him. He sent it again to the whole campus, and he said, Professor so-and-so would like to recall the message, and then he gave the subject line. And I just thought that was kind of silly, and it kind of, but I've seen that a few times here on campus. I mean, can you take things back on the internet? Um, <laughs> Outlook allows you to unsend a message if it's attached to an exchange server. And you can actually send a message using Outlook. And as long as it's not read by a client on the other end, you can actually recall it. And so what it does is it sends a message to the Outlook clients that says something about recalling the message and will yank it back if it's unread. And you may never even see the original message nor the recall. However, if you have read the message, you will probably see the recall message. Oh, okay. So that might be what um, he did. My co-host is not only a lexicographer, <laughs> he is an IT guy. <laughs> well, I know that. Literally. I these would be some great things to talk about. God yeah. help me, because I'd much rather have other things in my brain than knowing how exchange works. <laughs> <laughs> he has a lot in well, there. That is, we are on an exchange, and I, I've seen it so many times that that would make sense. Okay. The other thing that I see a lot is when people attach a file, so they're sending out an email, and they end up, they, they write almost invariably, please find attached. Uh-oh. And to me, I don't, being, being a digital native, I guess, mm-hmm. I find that kind of ridiculous. And for some reason, it really grates on me. Uh-huh. Which part of it grates on you? I, I think the way they phrase it, please find attached, as if they're asking you to please look for this mm-hmm. attached. <laughs> oh, my God. And Where I, could I would, it be? I would How- say, <laughs> Hey, I've attached this. How old are you, mm-hmm. Nathan? You're making me feel old. I totally do that. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm in my early 30s. All right. I'm in my 40s. So, Nathan, if it's any comfort to you, there have been language uh, mavens who have complained about this in closed please find business yeah. back in the 1920s and 1930s. And they're still complaining. Oh, interesting. Yeah. I'm, I'm looking at one that says, when you read a letter that sounds as if it were a compendium of pat expressions from some musty old letter book of the goose quill period, do you feel you're communing with the writer's mind? On the contrary, if you have a discerning mind, you know that you are merely getting a reflex from one who lacks taste and good mental digestion. (laughs) That sounds as as bad as the thing they're condemning. (laughs) Well, here's one. It says, if you use it, you will sound bored or even worse, boring. And I think that is a a damning statement. So I, I guess I've got to stop using please find and closed. Oh, no. Grant, it's quaint when you, when you say it. <laughs> Is it? Well, I, I've got to say, though, in general, most style guides make it plain that if you were writing a business letter to a stranger, you should adopt the most formality that you're capable of that doesn't seem to be over the top. So it, you know it, what? it's kind I of expected. It, I make it more personal. I say, I've attached the document. da 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 yeah. Which, which sounds... Right. I love it. That can do, work. You, you yeah. like that. You love it. I do, yeah. yeah. I, I, I'm okay with I've attached. I have or attached. Or here is. Here is. Mm-hmm. But I think anything more than that is just fluffy. Well, Nathan, I know because we are all email users these days, it seems like most jobs amount to 90% email in the modern era. I know we'll get a lot of comments about this stuff. So stay tuned, all right? Well, thank you so much. It's been great talking to you. All right. Take care, Nathan. <laughs> okay. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Email us your questions and comments about language to words at waywardradio.org. And you can always call us at 877-929-9673. Hello, you have a way with words. Hi, how's it going? Super duper. Who's this? This is Molly from uh, Moscow, Idaho. Hi, Molly. Welcome to the show. What's cooking? Um, Well, I had a question. Uh, My grandpa and all of his brothers 
have lots of colorful sayings that have trickled down to all their children. And I have a couple really good ones that I haven't really heard anywhere else, and I was wondering about them. Um, one of them is I have a I have a cousin, one of my great uncle's uh, sons, that always says, um, "Feel like I've been ironing all night in high heels." Wait, his son says that? Usually, something a guy says. Oh no, like, kidding! I feel like I've been ironing all night oh. in high heels. And this means I'm, that he's super tired? I'm super exhausted. Yeah. Oh, wow. Right. <laughs> yeah. It would be terrible. <laughs> yes, it would. And and another one of my uh, my great uncles, he always used to say that he'd been to more than one county fair and goat roping. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. To mean that, you know, he'd been around. Right. Yeah, goat rope is a or goat rodeo. Those expressions mm-hmm. are widely used, particularly in the West, to mean a crazy, chaotic situation or a giant mess. So just mm-hmm. something that's really disorganized. Yeah, and if you've been to one of those, then you're you're more sophisticated than the folks back home, mm, right? Interesting. <laughs> so, but you've never heard the uh, ironing all night in high heels before? No, but that no. that thing is transparent. I can figure that one out pretty quick. Yeah, um, I don't recommend I've that. I've ironed. <laughs> haven't worn the high heels, but I have ironed. <laughs> If you only knew, it's Grant. pretty great. They all have a a pretty good tradition of colorful sayings. Mm. That's for sure. That's great. And so these are widespread throughout your family in Idaho. No, like everyone has their couple of ones that they say, kind of like their own personal guess, catchphrases. Yes. All right. Yes, for sure. What's yours? Uh, I like to I like to tell people that they're a cherry lifesaver. Because cherries are the best lifesavers. So like, <laughs> oh, yeah. They're think. not just a lifesaver, they're a cherry lifesaver. Mm. That's nice. Now, Molly, what leads you to be so observant about the language of other people? I have a semester of my master's in linguistics, and I aspire to uh, finish it one day. <laughs> okay. And this keeps it light, keeps it fun? Yes. Okay. I just, I really like language. I like, I like observing accents a lot. Yeah, it's interesting. I have one friend that's from Cincinnati, and I can definitely hear his accent, but everyone else thinks I'm crazy that he doesn't have an accent. But I can hear it in the vowels. It's it's right there. Molly, you got a ton of great stuff here. Anything else for us before we go? Uh, I don't think I'm going to shoehorn anything else into this, (laughs) thank you. Well, you keep our phone number handy and give us a call another time when you come up with some more, all right? Okay, thanks a lot. And good luck with your studies. (laughs) Thanks. All right, bye-bye. Bye-bye. Well, this is a nation of colorful expressions, and this is the place where we love to hear about them. So share yours no matter where you're from. Just make them radio safe. 877-929-9673 or email us, words at waywardradio.org. Grant, we were talking earlier about mispronounced words. Mm -hmm. For Pat Autry... The word was indicted, which Pat always read as indicted. Yeah, yeah. Pat read a lot of Hardy Boys, and the police chief was always indicting someone. <laughs> yes, same for me. Oh, really? Yeah, and wasn't until my it wasn't until I started reading the newspaper regularly that I and listening to the radio, like you know, getting adult news that I'm like, oh, yeah. the connection was made. Why would that long eye be there? Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Indicted instead of indicted. Right. It's a big one. I bet we got a lot of people who have that one. I bet we do too. And we'd love to hear your thoughts about any aspect of language. 877-929-9673 or send them an email to words at waywardradio.org. Hello, you have a way with words. Hello. Hi, Hi this is Jeff Raymer in Grapevine. Grapevine Texas. what? Oh, Texas. Texas. Hello, welcome to the show. <laughs> Thank you. Texans, man. They always think everyone knows where they're from. <laughs> well, yeah, don't you? 
<laughs> I do know Grapevine now that you mention it. What's on your mind, Jeff? How can we help? This morning, I was out in the garden, and I was planting things such as tomatoes or tomatoes, depending on how you want to say it. Tomatoes. However, I was not planting such things as potatoes or potatoes. And this is the thing that I've called you about, because it just drives me batty. I hear even journalists saying it that way. During my, in, my tenure at NPR, I covered such stories as. But I contend that they should say, I covered stories such as. Oh, Am I wrong about this? So you don't like the such and the as being broken up? I don't. Jeff, it's, it's interesting be, that you mentioned journalists, actually, because yeah. when I worked at a daily newspaper in Kentucky, the state's largest newspaper, years ago, this edict came down, and I don't know if it was the AP, AP style book or just something in-house, but they told us that we had to separate those words all of a sudden. Oh, you had to put something between such and as. Yes, and it felt really weird to me, Jeff. So yeah. you, you were required to say something like, I remember such things as pet rocks, dilly boppers, and mood rings, right? So it's such things as, or I remember yeah. I remember such fads as, or I remember mm-hmm. such people as. Yes. Or I don't, it's not, I remember people such as Martha, Grant, and Jeff. Exactly. Oh, and, it w- and it was really strange because I tried to train myself to do that, mm-hmm. but if, if I slipped up, the copy editors always changed it. Really interesting. Yeah. Yeah, that sounds like well, a... In, in the... In the, in the sentence that you, you said there, isn't the object the people? I remember people. Don't you remember people? You don't remember such. Oh, well, such, right. such is behaving as a determiner. It's almost an adjective, adjective here. So such is actually modifying the things of the people. When you have such noun as, that noun is being modified by such. Um, such is a really crazy word, and it doesn't have more than one use. It's got, I think it's like five different uses in English, and you've got to be really careful, and sometimes they're hard to separate mm-hmm. out. So in this particular case, and so to go further up the conversation tree and kind of look at the bird's eye view here, Martha, I would say that either use is fine. I would say that either use is fine, either, <laughs> either. <laughs> we, we pronounce that word differently, and both are fine. Um, but I have seen people talk about having been taught that only one of them was correct. Yeah. That you should say, uh, uh, you ought to listen to such composers as Beethoven, mm-hmm. Bach, and Brahms. That sounds a little stilted to me. It sounds stilted to me, and it's breaking up that, that idiomatic yeah. use of such as. Yeah, I, I've got to say... Um, I, I gotta, Jeff. I kind of like the sound to my ears. Such um, things, such as um, um, right. r- rocks, pets, and cars. I, right. I much prefer that. Right. It sounds to more natural ear. to me. But but I think the other thing that we're talking about here is the question of whether there is some kind of fine, subtle distinction. Yeah. You to, know. To the best of my knowledge, even the most prickly of usage mavens doesn't rail against such as right. either form of such as broken up or as a unit. Yeah, I'm not talking I'm not talking so much about usage mavens, okay. but but is there a subtle difference between mm. saying um, I think you should listen to such composers as Brahms, Beethoven and Bach as opposed to I think you should listen to renowned composers such as 
Are, um, are you talking more about the composers? Or are you talking about the individual components of that list? Do you know what I mean? Yeah, it's a, a little more specific then. A, a little bit, but it's such a fine Yeah, and punctuation. You know, Jeff, what about the punctuation oh, no. here? <laughs> <laughs> I'm feeling, <laughs> I'm feeling like a comma would add some clarity here, depending on which kind of such as you wanted to use. Are you, are you familiar with that, uh, that joke, let's eat, Grandma? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the punctuation is yeah. very important here. That's right. You want that comma after eat, for sure. Right. <laughs> I want to hear from English teachers. I know we have a slew of them. Are you still teaching a rule? Or are you teaching a rule at all about such as and whether or not it should or should not be broken up? Um, give us a call, 877-929-9673. And I also want to hear from journalists and yes. their editors, particularly their copy editors. Um, do you have an in-house rule about this? Send it to email, words at waywardradio.org. Jeff, we're going to get to the bottom of this, all right? Thanks. Uh, you guys are awesome. I love you. Hey, We're doing our best. Thank thanks. you very much. I'm excited you asked the question. I can't <laughs> wait to hear the answers. <laughs> take, Me too. Take care now. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye-bye. That number again is 877-929-9673. Did you know there's a dialect of English called P-U? Yes. Yeah, police umbrella. Or actually, I should say police umbrella. Mm-hmm. The kind of people who say cement in Detroit. Uh-huh. Right? It's right. just the, the emphasis is on a different syllable you, than you might typically encounter in mainstream English. Indeed. And so in the dialect world, in the language world, we call that the P slash U dialect to kind of emphasize those types of people. It's Southerners. Um, a lot of African-American English actually has this feature, occasionally sprinkled throughout the rest of the country. So it's an accent on the first, first syllable. syllable. Yeah, where Police. ordinarily you'd expect it in the second syllable. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. They actually Cement, slip police. around like that, don't they? Yeah, they sure do. Yeah. yeah, I have one aspect of the PU dialect. I say TV. Do you really? Yeah, instead of TV. Interesting. And I don't know if I picked it up just by goofing around with language. My father has some of it, so I probably picked ah, it up from yeah, him. Oh, yeah, yeah, on the TV. 877-929-9673. Email words at waywardradio.org. More stories about what we say and why we say it. Stay tuned. Got a minute? We need your help. Head over to gum.fm slash words and share your thoughts in our quick survey. Your feedback matters. It's the backbone of our show's success. Thanks for making our show even more successful. That's gum.fm slash words. Thank you. You're listening to Away With Words, the show about language and how we use it. I'm Grant Barrett. And I'm Martha Barnett. Grant, we had an interesting question on our Facebook page, and I'm Mm -hmm. wondering about your thoughts. Okay. Tiffany Brenner Guerrero wrote, The first word, if it is one, used in correct context out of our 13-month-old's mouth was, uh-oh. Oh. I see it's in various dictionaries, but we're having a fun family debate over whether it should be permanently on the record books as the first. Curious as to your thoughts. What do you think? Is Uh uh-oh... The baby's first word? Yes. I mean, if that's the first one they heard, probably mm-hmm. used it's, the, fir- correctly in it's context. the first word that they recognized in context. Mm-hmm. It's an interjection. We have a whole category of language that is interjection, exclamation. Mm-hmm. Some of it doesn't fit syntactically into normal sentences because it's an interjection. It appears just kind of on its own, kind mm-hmm. of as an adjunct to a larger moment. So, hey, 
is kind of like that. It's technically a word, but yeah. it behaves as an interjection or an exclamation. Yeah. So yeah, totally. Uh oh. And that's a lot of children's first word because we teach danger right away. Okay. Yeah. And uh oh is the way that you indicate well, danger yeah, to a child. Well, yeah, of course. Yeah. So so Tiffany shouldn't feel bad about the baby saying uh oh first, right? My um for a while there we had a really lovely woman in Brooklyn who was taking care of my son while my wife and I worked, mm-hmm. and Carol was from Trinidad, and mm-hmm. so she taught my son a particular form of that, which was uh 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 uh. <laughs> and so he, this little this little one-year-old boy would walk over to the very hot radiator in a uh-huh. Brooklyn brownstone apartment and point at it and then wave his finger in this particular way, just like Carol did, and go, uh-uh-uh-uh-uh. <laughs> I don't know if that's a word, but it, the message was received. There was a there was semantic content that's to fantastic. it. That's right? fantastic. Was it, it his first word? No, no. Oh, his first word was blue, I believe. Blue? Yeah. Really? All, all colors were boo for a long time. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, he loved blueberries. My f- okay. My first word was b. Oh, what's that? Baby? Bird? bird? No, bird. Oh, nice. Bird. I was pointing at a bird and I said b. Nobody was listening when I started talking. <laughs> <laughs> My brother probably heard it. Nobody else. That's fine. Well, they're listening now. <laughs> and you can always call us to talk about language. That number is 877-929-9673. Or send your questions and comments and stories about language to words at waywardradio.org. Hello, you have a way with words. Hello. Hi, who's this? Marion Agnew. Hi, Marion. Where are you calling Hi, from? Marion. I'm calling from Richmond, Virginia. Well, welcome to the show. I have always had a problem ever since I became a family member of my son's family, and that is what do I call the mother of my daughter-in-law? The mo- I don't think there's a word in English that can name the mother of your daughter-in-law. You, you mean a word that expresses the relationship rather yeah, than the name yeah, of the person. Yeah. If I said, if we were, you know, in a, in a social situation, I would say I would like you to meet Joan, who is the mother of my daughter-in-law. Okay, I would like to be have one word that says she's my member of my family, she's a friend. Mm-hmm. But in other languages, I understand they do have a name for that person. Yes, indeed. The ones that you hear about most often are from Spanish and Yiddish, I think. Oh, really? Yeah. Consuegros is uh, a term for for those folks, those other right. folks. Consuegros, sure. Yeah, you've With, heard that one? Yeah. yeah right. Yeah. Right. And that actually goes back to a Latin term that means the very same thing. And mm-hmm. then in Yiddish, there's makatunum. Have you heard that uh. one? And that's for the group of the um, in-laws altogether, right? It's often for the the pair, but yeah, the extended family, it, it can refer to that. It's but it's plural. the mother and father of your child's spouse. Yes. The, the, pe- the people you share grandchildren with, there if, we you, go. if you have grandchildren. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> there are words in English for this, but they're just not widely used, they're and they're a little very, jargony, like yeah. coaffine, C-O hyphen A-F-F-I-N-E. But they appear in like in family therapy texts, and they're not, it's not the kind of thing that you'd write on a, the front of a holiday card. Yeah, what do you think about that one, Marion? <laughs> I think it's a little complicated. Co-in-law? <laughs> what about co-in-law? But people won't understand you, right, if you say, oh, she's my co-in-law. I don't think so. It sounds a little industrial to me. Yeah, and <laughs> if you lose the hyphen, then it's coin-law, and that's weird. Co-mother-in-law or parent-in-law? I think I'm going to have to settle for good friend. There we go. Good friend. Perfect, yeah. That works. Yeah, well, I just, I, I suspected there wasn't a word in English. You, since English is such an agglomeration of so many other languages, 
Mm-hmm. You'd think that by now we would have come up with something, but... Uh, You're exactly but, right. Uh, it's interesting that we're looking to these sort of romance languages mm-hmm. and the older languages That's for a very the, good point. the family togetherness words. Mm-hmm. That's a very good point. There are various words in some other languages, like what, Grant Tagalog? And... Yeah, Tagalog and uh, Korean, Chinese, Polish, German either. I believe that the... Um, other mother-in-law of your grandchildren, or the other grandmother of your grandchildren, is die Gegenschweigermutter <laughs> in German. My pronunciation is terrible. Die Gegenschweigermutter. Mm. So go ahead and use that one. <laughs> it's it's <laughs> right. it's one word. Okay. Well, I like um, other mother. Yeah, uh, I'm. I don't know. That doesn't. I think I'll mm. settle for friend. Mm, that's mm. good. Yeah. Okay. Just add her. This is. D- don't okay, explain. Thank you very much. Allow the mystery <laughs> to remain. Resolved an issue anyway. <laughs> so, so you're you're not taken by consuegro, which you you pronounce beautifully. Consuegro. Mm-hmm. I kind of like that, but uh, that would only uh, appeal to people who speak Spanish. That's the thing. You still have to explain. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. We'll check in in another hundred years and see if English has acquired something new. All right. Well, maybe somebody out there in your audience will come up with a word. Why don't you just throw it upon the the, the great out there? Yeah, the but, great yeah, but we'd still have the problem just with the Spanish word. We'd still have to teach it to everyone and have to explain it. And it would take a very long time to get it adopted. Well, if if it is a good word, it will be an immediate hit. Oh, I see. All right. That's well, just the way things work. That is bounteous <laughs> optimism, Marion. <laughs> okay. Thank you so much for your call today. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye. If you've got a word for your child's in-laws, that is, the parents of the person that your child married, if you've got a word for that, one word, we'd love to hear it. 877-929-9673. Email it to words at waywardradio.org or start the conversation on Facebook and Twitter. Hello, you have a way with words. Yes, this is Mark Yeager calling from Charlottesville, Virginia. Hi, Mark. Welcome to the show. Well, I... Um read about a month ago that the SET will be undergoing some dramatic changes. For instance, the test will only use um, words in common usage, and this surprised me. It seemed to be contrary to the notion that the breadth of a person's vocabulary has a strong correlation with measures of success. My question is simply a query to hear your opinions about the changes in the SAT and, more importantly, the value of a broad vocabulary and the correlation with success. I personally found that people I've met with impressive vocabularies are usually particularly interesting folks. I agree. Oh, yeah. I I agree with that last statement for sure. There's a lot to unpack here. Um, I'm going to drill right down to what I think the core of your issue is, and that is what you believe to be excluded from the SAT. And what we know right now is only a list of two words have been given out in a in a press statement as the as possible words that would be excluded. No list of words has been announced. So we can assume any word that we want wouldn't be on that list and we can immediately go straight to like thinking that they're going to make some dumb mistake and leave out a lot of words that people should know. But we're just guessing at this point. Yeah, the words were synthesis and empirical, if That's I'm right. recalling correctly. Yeah. Well, no, those are the words they were going to include. Right. The ones they were going to exclude are depreciatory and membranous. Oh. <laughs> so only two words. And here's okay. here's the crux of this, Mark. Um, uh-huh. if, if you take these four words, these are the only four words that they've talked about is two that they're going to exclude and two that they're going to include. And these are just examples of the longer list of both 
Um, uh-huh. And you look at these in these large databases of language, the, the corpora, you find that the synthesis and empirical are highly correlated to academic studies across many yeah. disciplines. And these other two words are so rare that even somebody who reads a lot is unlikely to encounter them more than once every 10 years. They're talking about eliminating these words that belong to one discipline that you would never encounter unless you were in that discipline. And even then, you would only encounter it on very rare occasions. And that has been the problem. One of the problems with the SAT is it is assumed that you need this um, very specialized knowledge when it is a general purpose test for a general academic right. background. Well, and the head of the college boards was drawn into a discussion about this online, and mm-hmm. he was pointing out that there's a difference between words that you learn through flashcards and words that you learn because you're reading Pride and Prejudice, for right. example. And right, um, right. it reminds me of the debate over spelling bee words. You know, some of those words you're just never going to see again, <laughs> right? Yeah, <that's laughs> or you never saw before. And the Scrabble words, like this whole like vast list of words that, like, you know, that you only know because they have high point scores. Mm-hmm. Mm. But Mark, uh, overall, I agree with your general concerns. Um, I don't think there's a dumbing down here. I think there's a sharpening and a focus. I do agree that testing has to be taken with a giant grain of salt. Um, It's interesting to think how many schools are starting to slowly uh, value the SAT and the ACT less and start to look at a student's high school record, their extracurricular activities, and their personality, the things that are relayed by their behavior or their essay. Mark, we're going to take a look at this probably another year or two from now after the new test has been put in place, and we'll see how people feel about it. This isn't the first time that the SAT has been revised. I know when they first talked about these changes coming in October of last year, there was a lot of outcry then as well in October of 2013. And it was um, there was a really interesting point made by an SAT tutor. He, he wrote, this was in The Atlantic, he said, The SAT reinforces many students' mistaken belief that writing is an act of inspiration, giving rise to a sudden burst of activity that can be carried out only under extreme pressure. And and for me, that underlies the problem with testing. It supposes that we are supposed to be able to regurgitate our knowledge in this kind of falsely structured environment that bears no resemblance to the real world. Yeah, and I think one of the reforms that they're talking about doing now is having the students make arguments that are more evidence-based right. rather than their own opinion right. about something Although like that. Although the writing, the essay is now optional, right? Right. Yeah. It's optional. It's optional. But but the the, uh, the material that would be in it is different. Yeah. If you want something to be outraged about, Mark, how about this? They don't grade on grammar or spelling. They, are, they, they, they grade on the structure of the essay. How do they define structure? Yeah. Do you, do, you, do you have a cohesive argument that's built along an outline that has, uh, you know, the, the intro and the supporting points and the conclusion and so yeah. forth? Yeah. Well, Mark, we're going to keep an eye on this and we'll and, and check in with us if you see further signs of deterioration, all right? <laughs> okay. Thanks very much. All right. Take care now. Bye-bye. Bye, Mark. What do you think? Give us a call, 877-929-9673, or send your thoughts in email to words at waywardradio.org. You know how in some hip-hop songs and albums, and maybe even on the signs for barbershops, they pluralize with a Z yes. instead of an S? Yes. You know what that's called? Z plurals. Z. <laughs> That's the linguistic term for it. It's a Z plural where the plural that would be otherwise formed by an S is instead 
replaced with a Z. Okay, so is that Z-P-L-U-R-A-L-Z? <laughs> yeah, sure, why not? So no. so if you're talking about my dogs yeah. and you spell it yeah. D-A-W-G-Z, mm-hmm. that's a Z plural. Z plural. But, but it behaves exactly the same as an S plural. It's just a different spelling choice that more accurately represents the sound there, the Z well, sound absolutely. that we're getting instead yeah. of the S sound. Okay. So Z plural. So Z the next plural. time you see that, know that linguists are on top of that and they have a name for it and they're cataloging them. Z I plurals. love when that happens. Eight seven seven nine two nine nine six seven three. Hello, you have a way with words. Hi, this is Justin from Manitowoc calling. From where? Manitowoc, Wisconsin. Manitowoc, Wisconsin. Welcome to the show, Justin. Um, I actually have two questions for you guys. Uh, I recently moved from Green Bay, Wisconsin, down to Manitowoc, and apparently there's a couple regional phrases that I've never heard before. Oh, let's hear. Uh, so. You know how, like, some local fire departments for fundraisers will have, like, a barbecue or a cookout, that kind of deal? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right? Over here, that's called a fryout. A fryout? Fryout. Yeah. So, what part of the state are we talking about? Is it southeast? Um, we're actually right on Lake Michigan. Okay. And so, okay. what other big cities are near there? Sheboygan's south of us, Green Bay is north of us. How far kind of south? Between both of them. How far south is Sheboygan? Uh, about uh, 30 minutes. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Interesting. So a fry-out, and this is exactly like a regular barbecue, or is there something different? Uh, from what I've heard, it's exactly like what I would call a barbecue. So what kind of food gets cooked on what? Hamburgers, brats, stuff like that on a grill. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. On a grill. Yeah. So, so a grill with open flame underneath, right? That's what my understanding of it is, yes. Okay. So it's not fried in a pan. Oh, interesting. Right. Yeah. One theory that I've seen is the reason it's called a fry out or just a fry is that the sausages and brats that used to be cooked in the kitchen, you would kind of technically fry them in a pan. They're lying in a pan, kind of frying there on a mm. surface. And when you bring them outside, even though the instrumentation is different, they still called it a fry. So the the word came with the food, even though it didn't apply much anymore. Interesting. So it's more about the well, out than, yeah, the, yeah, than the, yeah, fry. the fry. It, as long as the taste is good, right? Yeah. And the other thing is also food-related. Oh, yes, uh, please. You know, like a Sloppy Joe sandwich, I've actually heard it a lot of times referred to as a hot tamale sandwich over here. Hot tamale yep. sandwich? Yes. Is this spicy? I haven't noticed a difference. Okay. And have you, um, what what does it have in it exactly? Uh, I want to say it's just your standard Sloppy Joe. Well, Sloppy Joe can mean different things. Uh-huh. What's your definition of a Sloppy Joe? Is it like a spoon burger? What the heck is a spoon burger? I think it's like a sloppy joe. <laughs> <laughs> oh, right. That's like a hot tamale. I guess everybody's got their own name for something like that. Right. <laughs> and it's different from a made right because there's no sauce on it in a made right, right? Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So, Justin, what's what's your recipe for sloppy joe? Manwich. Okay. So, is it toma- a red tomato sauce and ground beef that's been cooked with the grease drained off, right? Correct. Okay. Okay. And there they call them hot tamales. Yeah. What's going on in Sheboygan over there? <laughs> oh, you don't want to know. <laughs> what What is the rest of the country refer to a hot tamale as? Well, a hot tamale is the the Mexican dish. I mean, we've kind of Americanized it a little bit. Right. But, uh, so there's a, what is it, a uh, corn tortilla or masa tortilla and a sauce with uh, shredded meat inside? Or, or sometimes it's in um, the corn leaves. The corn leaves. Could... There we go. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So maybe maybe the hot tamale they're they're thinking of it being like kind of that put in a bun. 
Hmm, you know, the, the inside of a hot tamale being put in a bun. I could see that where they might have just extrapolated a little bit or maybe even maybe even tiny bit misunderstood and just made their own version of it. Yeah. We don't have maybe. tortillas here. Let's use a bun. We don't have the corn. <laughs> just well, keep replacing all the ingredients till it's very different. Well, yeah, there is such I a... don't imagine us not having corn husks. <laughs> corn husks. <laughs> That's what I meant. Corn husk. <laughs> a couple of these charms seem to be really associated very strongly with Chaborgan. They are used elsewhere in Wisconsin yeah. and even maybe a little bit in some surrounding states, but very closely allied with Sheboygan and the people yeah. who live there. Sheboygan, oh, wow. I guess. Sheboygans? I think we need to hear from the folks in Sheboygan. <laughs> what are you eating and why? Justin, you are, are now our man near Sheboygan. <laughs> you must report on food words as you encounter them, all right? I will do so. Okay, very Thank good. you very much, all right? <laughs> all right. Take care now. Eat right. well. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. What is the weird food they eat in your town? Let us know, 877-929-9673, or send the recipe in email to words at waywardradio.org. Things have come to a pretty pass. That's all for today's broadcast, but don't wait till next week to chat with us on Facebook and Twitter, and you can find us on iTunes or SoundCloud. Check out our website, too, at waywardradio.org, where you'll find a dictionary, a newsletter, mobile apps, and a discussion forum, and you can listen to hundreds of past episodes for free. You can leave us a message anytime at 877-929-9673. Share your family's stories about language, or ask us to resolve language disputes at home, work, or in school. You can email us too. That address is words at waywardradio.org. Our senior producer is Stephanie Levine. The show is directed and edited this week by Tim Felton. We have production help from James Ramsey. Away with Words is independently produced and distributed by Wayward Inc., a nonprofit supported by listeners and organizations who believe in lifelong learning and better human communication. This show is coming to you from the Track Recording Center at Studio West in San Diego, California. Thanks for listening. I'm Martha Barnett. And I'm Grant Barrett. So long. Bye bye. Tomato and I like tomato, potato, potato, tomato, tomato. Let's call the whole thing off. Hey, listeners, we have a favor to ask. We'd love for you to fill out our listener survey at gum.fm slash words. Your feedback is crucial. It's quick, and it helps us make our show even better. It shapes our show, helps us plan, and ensures we're bringing you the content you love. That's gum.fm slash words. Thanks for being a part of what we do. Thank you.